Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Allen and Warren Report. I'm Warren Baylog, joined as always by my father, Alan Baylog. Hello, everybody. We're uh, recording this Saturday uh, later in the afternoon. My week got all screwed up here from from travel and then and then Halloween, um, and then doing. We did a big Emily and I did a big modern politics. You guys should go check it out. It's a free one. Um, I'm going to plug it shamelessly right now. It was called Israel First, America Last, and I, I I just basically took on the Republican Jewish Coalition speeches and made what I consider to be now the definitive case against Donald Trump. I think that the events of the last few weeks, uh, the, the events of the last month, I think, have finally put to rest any idea that Donald Trump would be any better. I actually make the case he's, he's worse than Biden. He would be worse than Biden. Um, hey, what's up? You know you're only hearing half of the show, right? And it's being indiscriminately uh, interrupted with these sales pitches because we just don't know how else to get your attention and get you over there. Uh, our website, our podcasts are 100% listener funded. Uh, they are funded with your subscription. So if you could please do that, uh, help us out. The right stuff dot biz slash paywall. Thanks. This, this Gaza thing has just forced them all to really show their true colors in a way that, that we've never seen before up to now. So, uh, yeah, you guys can go check that out. We're not going to talk about that today, but we got some other things to talk about to go through. Um, first of all, I think, Dad, nobody's heard from you yet on the protest. We've all talked about the big protest in D.C., which was very successful. Glenn, Glenn Beck did a segment on it. Um, I saw the, the, the articles that were written about it, the Vice article, I think, uh, uh, J.K. Rowling responded to it, so it, it made the rounds, and and uh, some of the stuff, the clips were put out on social media, really got a lot of exposure, which is which is great because it's just the there is an effective blackout with the NJP that we've seen over and over and over and over again, but it seems like this struck a nerve, and it's not surprising that it would because they're feeling right now very vulnerable and very insecure, and there's a lot of tensions right now over the. Uh, what's happening in Gaza. And uh, so it's great that it, yeah, that it, it broke through the, the curtain of uh, censorship. But, um, but yeah, it wasn't the first time you've demonstrated outside the White House, right? No. Uh, and, and, you know, it's interesting. The, uh, you see these people saying that, that the right is trying to co-opt the, the pro-Palestinian cause uh, I was down there right in front of the White House demonstrating in like 1970. And we had a leaflet at the time and it had a picture of a, of an Arab, a Palestinian holding his dead child. That was like 1970. So I, I just got to, you know, when I hear this stuff. How old were you? Uh, I was. Uh, what, if you were. I was like, uh, I was born in 54, so. Well, yeah, well, 16? 16, yeah. You were 16, and, oh, my God. Well, I, well, I was, uh, let's see. So you see. would have been 17. So, yeah, 70, uh, 71 or something. I was 70, I was arrested down there when I was 17 for parading without a permit. So, you know, you know, I've been doing this a long time, and, and it was, it, it's always been pro-Palestinian, 
the national socialist element. And uh, so it's just laughable when these people say we're trying to co-opt that. Well, when you were there in 1970, 71, you were not there as part of uh, the answer coalition, uh, you know, the act now to stop war and end racism. No, it was a group. It wasn't even exactly similar the national socialist white people's party. But uh Yet act now to start racial holy war and, uh, and, and for the sake of racism. Yeah, so, you know. Politics it, make strange redfalls because you and I have been down there many times during the Iraq war for the, and the, the, the demonstrations that were held by the Answer Coalition. And I would always, I was saying this on another show, I, I did the weekly report with Stryker this week, that I would always find a group of Palestinians, people with Palestinian flags. And I would always get with the group chanting free, free Palestine. You know, they used to do free, free Palestine, free, free Palestine, intifada, 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 because intifada means uprising. And uh, it, it doesn't necessarily mean an armed uprising. When I was out in the Pacific Northwest, I was talking to the guys about white intifada. That's what I was basically talking about. I, I gave a little impromptu talk that, uh, you know, in this country, that's what we need. That's what we need. We need a white uprising, a political, a non, not with force, not with violence, totally legal, but still, nevertheless, a uh, mass uprising of whites against the, the Zionist tyranny that we live under. And I talked about how when you and I went there in 2014 during the big war that was going on and that's when you had this sign made that you were carrying dump israel which i pointed out for the listeners was an old nswpp slogan that was used way back yeah uh, that you and i encountered I think actually rockwell came up with that as far as i know i could be wrong but i believe that was a slogan that rockwell came up up with and he had that was using that slogan way back when uh when he first started the american nazi party uh uh, you know, he had signs like, uh, I mean, uh, Eisenhower was still president. He had signs outside the White House like save Ike from the kikes and dump Israel and stuff like that. Yeah. So this, uh, this is a very old position. And, and again, there was just an article, Stryker put it up about how, uh, the connections with Amin al-Husseini and even before that with, with the Third Reich. But, uh, but yeah, this is, this is an authentic, this is as like an authentic, a national socialist position as you get, uh, the position on, on, on the right to the Palestinians vis-a-vis -vis the Jews and Israel and the Zionists and the occupation there. But I was going to say that, uh, when we went down there, I've told this story now many times, but when we went down there in 2014, that was not organized by the Answer Coalition. That was some kind of a Palestine specific thing. It wasn't like I, again, I think that, I think they may have been involved because they had those yellow signs. <coughs> I think that they were involved with it, but it was mostly uh there was like ten thousand people that time marching. I've never been to an event to a march in DC. Uh I, I like I said, I, I was to probably a dozen somewhere between a dozen or two dozen anti war marches and mass rallies during the Bush years and then the, the uh the Occupy Wall Street stuff that I did. But I never saw at until that thing in 2014, I was never there around the Capitol grounds in the White House where it was just almost entirely uh, Muslims, brown people, you know, no blacks and no uh, whites. Very few, very few blacks. And 
very few whites, and it's interesting that uh, we kind of got separated by a little bit there, and all of a sudden I saw you again. You say, hey, come here, come here. You know, look who's here. And here you bumped in. You saw another white guy, and you get talking to him, and he had a heavy Scottish accent, and uh, it sort of triggered something in you, and you ask him his name, and here here was an old comrade, a guy from that uh, was on the National Front Direct directorate in england when tyndall was in and so he, you know here here was like three white guys all national socialists with all there these with a buddy of his yeah he yeah. was there with a buddy of his and he had a sign that said uh uh washington dc is israeli occupied territory and i see this older white guy with a sign like that and i came up i said hey man i like your sign and we got talking now that guy we can use his first name john he uh he is someone that i had met before at a uh, dinner we had at a German beer garden many years before that, where Sam Francis was present. And that was, I think, uh, I don't know if that was, was that after one of the uh, American Friends of the BNP meetings? I don't remember. Or was that a separate gathering? But I, I can't remember. But Sam Francis was there, and that's when I met and to, I had met him actually before at another meeting, but he and I got a chance to really talk that night. And it's a it's a cherished memory because I didn't at the time I didn't appreciate who Sam Francis was or how what what his legacy was. Um, but we had a really good conversation about uh, his career as a writer and about different. And Sam, I, I've said this before, Sam Francis is considered like a paleocon intellectual. I mean, he was a total national socialist, Sam yeah, Francis, yeah. total na total Nazi. Okay, but uh, that fellow John, who I think had done uh, seen a lot of action in the National Front back oh, in yeah. Tyndall's days, yeah, we crossed paths with, paths with him randomly in this 2014 March where you had that sign, the Dump Israel sign. Uh, he was he and his friend were one of the only two of the only white guys there. Yeah, and that's the thing is that that the Palestine movement seemed to be like a magnet for, for our people as recently as that. Now, what's interesting today is that there is such a pushback. <laughs> and what's what's funny is right now, I mean, we're recording this, uh, what's today? Is today the 4th? I think today's the 4th. Yeah, November 4th. Uh, the pressure is mounting everywhere. I mean, you watch these shows like uh, Rising, and, uh, you know, Brianna Joy Gray, uh, Stryker and I were talking about the black girl on Rising, the black host of Rising. She's like a sincere leftist, and she's getting in trouble. That This this Robbie Slove or Sloan or whatever his name is, this little scrub white liber libertarian. I mean, he just smacks of a, of a, of a little um, young Republican. I mean, I hate that type. I know that type so well, a little careerist young Republican. And that guy, uh, was he got in a big debate with Brianna Joy Gray. And I've said now multiple times on different shows, this if she gets the boot over the Israel thing, this will be the third time that they've lost co-hosts or hosts over clashes with the Jews because we know the Hill is, is, is sponsors rising. But they have not uh, – in, in all these shows, rising and then breaking points, which was the spinoff that Crystal and Sagar started, and then Jimmy Dore – I've been watching Jimmy Dore. Uh, my buddy uh, has been sending me some Jimmy Dore clips, my, my Muslim friend. And uh, it's funny because on the left, in spite of Biden's going all in on this, they are having trouble containing it. 
they are having trouble containing it. And it's totally organic because there's no element in the organized, paid funders of the left that is actually funding this or backing this. They're working like hell to keep this uh, anti-Israel thing from, you know, blending into anti-Jewish stuff. And they're having a hard time doing it. And that was one of the things that, uh, you know, Mike and Stryker and everybody who, who talked at our protests uh, was really driving home. That you can't, can't you cannot separate uh, the pro-Israel thing, the Zionist thing from the Jew thing. And, and uh, you, you know, you're not going to have justice for Palestine uh, just the way you're not going to have a border wall. You're not going to have... Uh, the end of this woke stuff, uh, as long as J- Jewish power is intact in the United States. And, and, uh, they, they really don't want to see people make that connection. And, uh, I mean, this protest far exceeded my expectations of the bang we got for the buck. I mean, it was put together on fairly short notice. Uh, or we got so many dedicated good guys that like drove all night and then they had to get back to go to work and stuff. And these and, are guys that had just done protesting. They had done other protests yeah. very recently and they had just done an event. I have to say, particularly the Southern guys that, that made this one, uh, you know, Carson and Kang and a number of others and, and all the guys, you know, these are personalities now who, who have emerged, but there's a lot of guys I can think of their faces and their names who, who are, are not, have not distinguished themselves on a show yet or something like that, but who also equally have shown the same level of dedication. But it's really something because these guys just had the big event in South Carolina, the big thing on the weekend, you know, that Stryker went to, uh, and, uh, and, and they've been very active with protests and, and on such short notice to come up again, was was fantastic. I would have been there. Tony would have been there, of course, uh, had we not had the thing in the Pacific Northwest organized. But it was just really, um, yeah, it was terrific. And it was about 40, right? It was actually more than 40 with, I think, the camera crews and everybody that was filming. Yeah, around 40. And, and uh, you know, when Mike announced that we have to do something and decided we're going to do it right in front of the White House, I mean, these guys went into action. Uh, you know, Carson had the guys organized. They, they, they started coming up with slogans. They settled on, uh, what slogans we were going to use, what chants we were going to use. They started making signs. They were terrific signs and they had the photos of these different guys, like with, uh, you know, Biden, Shabbos Goy eating an ice cream cone and, and, and Blinken and, and all these guys, uh, you know, with war, crim- war criminal on the signs. I mean, they were, they were fantastic signs. And, uh, it, it, it just, it just really, really, really went well. And, and, uh, like I said, yeah, yeah, the, I had the feeling there were, there were quite a few, uh, uh, you know, Palestinians and Muslims uh, going around there. And I just had the feeling that uh, there's been a lot of, since this thing broke loose, uh, there's been a lot of uh, Muslims and Palestinians hanging around the White House there, uh, wearing their scarves and with Palestinian flags. And and then they had this other uh, kind of, you know, leftist involved protest uh, uh, on the other side of uh, uh, Lafayette Square. And but when we started doing our thing, uh, a lot of these Palestinians and Muslims started drifting over to see what was going on. And you could just tell they liked our thing better. And they were they were joining in on our chants. Uh, at one point, I had a laugh. It was like uh, we broke into an NJP, NJP chant. 
and there was like a boomer Palestinian woman that was chanting NJP, you know. So it was, it was like it was very well received, very well received. Uh, you know, there was some opposition with great clips of Mike. Mike's so damn quick, uh, you know, uh, confronting these people. And Hey, you're still listening to only half the show? Get behind the paywall and get the rest of the story. Go to the rightstuff.biz slash paywall and choose the subscription model that works best for you. And don't forget, every Tuesday evening, there is an Odyssey stream where Southern Sun will take your donations through a credit card or a debit card in exchange for a subscription. You have no idea how much content you're missing. Go to the rightstuff.biz slash paywall and let's fix that. And there was, you know, that couple that was, that claimed they were the IDF and the things that Mike came up with, he, he just, uh, you know, he, he just really handled them. And, uh, and, and Stryker pointed out, uh, uh, you know, this black woman came up with BLM flags and, uh, at one point there, we saw a couple older Jewish women come up talking to her, and you really had the impression that she was being, like, paid or just handled to be there to disrupt anything like like what we had uh, from happening. And uh, uh, a Palestinian guy finally went over and kind of knocked one of her flags down, and cops immediately were on the guy and, and, and said, if he touches her stuff, he's going to be arrested. And then... Uh, Two antifas snuck up pretty clever. They pretended they were uh, uh, wanted to get a photo op, and they, all of a sudden they grabbed the Palestinian flag that one of our guys had, and they took off just running, the two of them. And uh, the cops just stood there, saw the whole thing, didn't do a damn thing. And so Stryker pointed out, he said, that cop over there, he said he was right on the Palestinian guy, and he, they did nothing with this, you know. And, and uh, I think in one of his posts he said that the, the cops are really, they're just, trained attack dogs to attack anything that threatens a six-pointed star but uh no it, it it went really really well and and uh and then the publicity they just they just could not you know uh, not talk about it because it was just uh we had a bunch of leaflets made great leaflets the guys were handing out we actually ran out of those uh so the whole thing the whole thing was a smashing success it, it really was you know t- today um Mike posted this on Telegram. So there was an event, a big event, March on National March, March on Washington, Free Palestine thing, and you see these these like ugly, like look at look at the nose on this on this Jewish girl with this curly haired Jew Jew bitch that are that was the, there with the headscarf. Mike said, as expected, the Palestine March in D.C. today is being completely controlled by annoying Jewish women who are claiming there is some intersectional connection between the struggle of Palestinians and the struggle of blacks, gays, and trannies in America. None of this serves Palestinians, nor is it meant to. It is Jewish-controlled opposition that is meant to neutralize the Palestinian movement and make it safe for Jews. All the, quote, official, unquote, Palestine orgs in America prioritize Jewish comfort and fighting anti-Semitism above any concern for Palestinians or any goals that may actually harm Israel. You may ask me, but Mike, why do you still support the Palestinians when their movement in America is so Jewish and repugnant? Well, there's Jewish-controlled fake pro-white stuff as well, and that doesn't stop me from being pro-white. What I want to say about that, you know, Stryker and I actually spent a lot of time talking about this phenomenon, but what's interesting is... You know, the, 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 the IHRA working definition of anti-Semitism. Now, this is the thing that they're trying to get adopted everywhere. Do you remember what that is? No. You've heard it mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, I had to, you know, you know these guys are always talking about it. certain slogans, like they, they, they're, they're trying to get, if you say, 
from the from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. That that they say is anti-Semitic because that implies the end of Israel, right? And stuff right. like that. They're calling that. A, they're they're saying. I just read in the Economist that that's a call to ethnic cleansing, but the IHRA is the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, okay. and in 2016. The International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, which includes the United States, formally adopted the IHRA working definition of anti-Semitism, the IHRA definition. The IHRA definition, initially published by a European Union agency in 2005, has been used by the U.S. State Department since 2010 and is sometimes referred to as the State Department's working definition of anti-Semitism. And I'm, I'm reading this on the ADL website. The definition states anti-Semitism is a certain perception of Jews which may be expressed as hatred towards Jews. Rhetorical and physical manifestations of anti-Semitism are directed towards Jewish or non-Jewish individuals and or their property, towards Jewish community institutions and religious facilities. Accompanying the IHRA definition are 11 examples that may serve as illustrations of how anti-Semitism manifests contemporaneously, ranging from age-old anti-Jewish troops to Holocaust denial to certain expressions of animus towards the Jewish state of Israel that may at times cross the line into anti-Semitism. Now, that's what they say. The reality is, it is, uh, the, the, you know, when they talk about it, what, what this is, it's intended to be utilized as non-legally binding guidance and education for a range of stakeholders, including law enforcement, campus administrators and other institutions and entities to better enable them to identify anti-Semitism and gather and analyze relevant data. Uh, as explained by the European Commission coordinator on combating anti-Semitism, quote, non-legally binding in its nature, the working definition is helpful in public discourse as well as training for media educators and public authorities without impeding the legal right to freedom of speech. Well, they are adopting it as legally enforceable in some places. But the point is, you have these Jews leading this Palestine march right now, these these horrible, ugly Jewish women trying to make it about intersectionality and trannies and, and BLM and all that kind of thing. At the same time, all the rest of the Jews are, are, are pushing to adopt this definition of anti-Zionism as anti-Semitism, because that's what it really... Now, there's a there's a Martin Luther King quote about that. I don't know. They, some people dispute whether or not he actually said it. But I read this years ago in uh, – 20 years ago or so. I read this in U.S. News and World Report. It, uh, that was, I believe, Abe Foxman, I think, was the guy who ran U.S. News and World Report. This was at the height of the Iraq War. I think it was – no, I, I'm sorry. Oh, that's right. He was the ADL. What was the guy's name? I'll find it. But the Jew, he's a super, super Zionist that used to run uh, U.S. News and World Report. And actually reading that because I think in – I don't know if they gave us a complimentary uh, a complimentary subscription to that paper in high school. I think we had it through the advanced um, social studies class. But he would always have at the end a editorial. And uh, this guy was uh, the most – one of the, the most anti-Semitic – um, or anti-Semitic, one of the most, uh, um, <laughs> he's an anti-Semitic caricature is what I meant to say. I'm, I'm, I'm going to find his name here in a second. But anyway, he would write these editorials during the Iraq war, um, and would talk about, you know, 
that that's it. Um, Mort Zuckerman. Mort Zuckerman, I think, is the guy. Yeah, yeah. Mort Zuckerman is the one. Uh, he would write these editorials, and I remember that's the first time he quoted it. The first time I ever heard this thing that Martin Luther King said that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism because it implies uh, putting the um, uh, denying the Jews a right to a homeland. So, so I mean, this is what they believe, and this is what they're fighting to push. So, so it's like the position of these Jewish women there. It's almost like it's a. a, a, a it's almost like it's a holding pattern. Like they're there until this definition becomes universally adopted. They're there to make sure that it doesn't turn into actual anti-Semitism until the definition is adopted by, universally across the board. And then once it is, then they they can just you know drift away. <laughs> you know. Well, they're, they're doing all these little stop measures. Like uh, you know, I saw that that Handsome Truth was uh, arrested and doing. 30 days in jail for littering, for basically right. distributing literature. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, I mean, it's insane. 30 days for littering, even if, if that's what, what it was, which it wasn't. Um, so, so they're, they're, they're just doing anything they can to stop the message from getting out that it's, it's Jews, you know, and, and, and they, you know, all this stuff, they, they love to be able to point out the fact that, oh, not all Jews, some of the Jews are for the Palestinians. This is such an infinitesimal amount of, of people you're talking about. I mean, uh, you know, Israel has overwhelming support in the Jewish community worldwide. And, 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 the, and the, it's like an insignificant minority that have any problems with what they're doing. And the ones that do, it, it's only because they think there's a better way to, to ethnically cleanse Palestine than, than, than just uh, bombing hospitals and schools and so forth. I mean, I see they just, they just bombed another, uh, an ambulance the other day with a, uh, uh, it, was a, it was a caravan of people trying to get to the south, and they claim it was a hot Hamas amb- ambulance. But uh, everybody says it, was, you know, it wasn't. It's just bullshit. So they, you know, Mort Zuckerman, by the way, here's his details on him. This guy is, uh, see, our younger anti-Semites in the audience may not remember this, this Jew, but, uh, cause he's, he's now, he's pretty old. He's 86. Canadian American billionaire media proprietor. I mean, this is a guy, this is a guy that's like the face of what Pierce used to, to call, you know, the, 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 the controlled media. This guy, he was, Co-founder, executive chairman, former CEO of Boston Properties, one of the largest real estate investment trusts in the United States. Zuckerman is also the owner and publisher of U.S. News and World Report, where he serves as editor-in-chief. Formerly owned the New York Daily News, The Atlantic, and Fast Company. He uh, was on the 2016 list of world's billionaires. His uh, net worth is $3 billion. And there's a thing here. You talk about a big microphone. You know, oh, yeah. edits his editorials. How many people did that reach? Oh, yeah. Well, like I said, reading this guy's editorials, just so people are aware, reading this guy's editorials, and he, they were always at the end of the magazine, and reading his shit is one of the things that made me go from being just a kid that grew up in a nationalist household to being like, I want to dedicate my life to this. Because this this Jew was so so obnoxious and horrible. And it was so easy to, to read between the lines. And to just give an example, look at this. Personal Life talks about uh, how he uh, um, was 
Oh, no, never mind. This is a separate section on Wikipedia. Involvement in Jewish organizations and Israel. Between 2001 and 2003, Zuckerman was the chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. That's one of those... Uh, I, I think I read about that in that book, Jewish Power. That's one of those organizations that I always... I thought that's hilarious. You... Pres- conference of presidents of major American Jewish organizations. In other words, you have so many major American Jewish organizations that you actually have to have a separate organization just for all the presidents of the major Jewish organization. Yeah, yeah. And this guy well, was. You could just go- you could just Google Google Jewish organizations and see what comes up. I mean, they have a, they have. It's not just major. They have minor. They have they have an organization for everything. They have like. Organizations like Jews with one testicle from Lithuania. I mean, it's it's a ridiculous the kind of shit they have. And this 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 organization, the conference of 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 uh, they call it the President's Conference, American nonprofit addresses issues of critical concern to the Jewish community in the state of Israel in particular, comprises fifty fifty national Jewish organizations. It was founded to develop a consensus voice among Jewish organizations in dealing with the executive branch. And it was founded in 1956. So, I mean, this is one of these things. It's like, oh, oh, it's anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. I mean, are you kidding? But anyway, so. Well, and they quote each other all. all, They always quote each other. Like one will write an article and and, and they'll say, according to the, and they name another Jew organization, you know, that's like fighting anti-Semitism. They say this, or according to uh, this organization that is for, uh, equal rights for all. You, you know, they just they quote each other and and back each other up, and it, it's like it's just this web where the, where they got their. You know, I think it was uh, I don't know if it was Father Coughlin or somebody d- during the war. They had a, a, a cartoon. It was it was it was an octopus, and it had the octopus had one of his arms in like the scrap iron industry, in the media, in banking. You know, it was like a Jew. It was an octopus. But that's the way they are. Well, did you see the octopus? You have, you're you not keeping up on the memes. Did you see the octopus meme that's been going around? No. Okay. Well, you know that my, my son. I've been getting firewood. Well, you know that my, my, uh, okay. So you know the, the octopus, the stuff, the plush octopus that my son, your grandson has. Yeah. The little one that's, right. uh, that's pink and, and blue and reversible. We got it at the state fair. Right. Well, that exact one, uh, that exact little plush octopus was, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the girl that's the, the climate change girl, the, the Greta Thunberg yeah, or whatever. Yeah. She was in a picture, a pro Palestine picture with that. One of those octopuses was sitting in the background and they denounced it and said it was anti Semitic. And that she, and so the, so that exact octopus, I haven't posted a picture yet, but we got one exactly like that for my son at the state fair last year. And it's funny that that Sven needs me to sign up for a paywall subscription at the right stuff dot biz slash paywall. Okay, Sven, I'm your number one guy. I'll do it. Little smiling like little octopus has become a symbol, an anti-Semitic symbol to where Greta Thunberg actually deleted the, the tweet. Uh, and had to take it down. Yeah, no, this has been making the rounds. Um, you know, I don't follow the, 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 the online chatter that much, but I do a little bit more than you. And I saw that. But anyway, I want to just talk about, uh, 
little digression here on on uh, Mortimer Zuckerman because this is a this is one of my like big red pill Jews of old. This 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 fucking guy. Um, it says that he. <laughs> Yeah, so he chaired this conference of presidents of major American Jewish organizations. Uh, in their 2006 paper, The Israel Lobby and U.S. Foreign Policy, John Mearsheimer, political science professor at University of Chicago, and Stephen Walt, academic dean of the Harvard Kennedy School at Harvard University, named Zuckerman a member of the media wing of the Israeli lobby in the United States. Zuckerman replied, quote, I would just say this. The allegations of this disproportionate influence of the Jewish community remind me of the 92-year-old man sued in a paternity suit. He said he was so proud he pleaded guilty. Talking about disproportionate Jewish organization. And then here's the last blurb. President George W. Bush appointed Zuckerman to serve on the honorary delegation to accompany him to Jerusalem for the celebration of the 60th anniversary of the State of Israel in May of 2008. Well connected. And then uh, it said that this is funny, though. See, they eat their own. Bernie Madoff investment scandal. Zuckerman is one of the investors defrauded in a Ponzi scheme by way of investments with Fifth Avenue Synagogue President J. Ezra Merkin, who staked roughly $30 million of Zuckerman's charitable trust fund with convicted scammer Bernard Madoff. <laughs> I mean, you got to give them credit. Uh, they get filthy rich, obscenely rich while all uh, just controlling everything and, and and you know i mean it's just amazing it's amazing they, they you know they got centuries and centuries of refining their methods and they 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 really have it down pat but uh, it's it's big digression there though but 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 i remember he's the first one in in one of these editorials that he wrote for us news and world report when i first read that martin luther king quote which i don't know if it's if it you know if i i'm i'm certainly it's plausible that he said it um, but that, that anti-Zionism is the equivalent of anti-Semitism and, uh, good. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. Like, that's the thing. I mean, we, we ought to go through, that's the other thing. I, you know, I read that Goebbels article. There's a couple of national socialist things. Guys, I want this show to be part current events and part history. Uh, since it adds on, that's what we talk about him and I, um, and what we've talked about for years and I want to always cover some history stuff. So probably in the second hour, I'll get to some things. I want to actually get into specifically Otto Ernst Raymer because I talked about that somewhat on the show I did with Stryker about how Raymer uh, supported, actually said kind words about Hamas in 1993 in that interview he did with Ahmed Rami for Radio Islam. But I'd like to actually go through the full interview. Uh, we might do that in the second hour here. but. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, the protest was fantastic, and uh, it's it's great. The, the I mean, you were saying that the 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 White House is a good place to protest, uh, even now, even today. It's still one of the uh, places. I mean, people got scared, spooked by January sixth, and I even saw somebody in the Twitter comments to one of these things saying, well, "I'm surprised these people show their faces there after January sixth. and that's what they wanted was this kind of. Oh man, the DC gulag, the, the, the big police are going to arrest. But the reality is, I mean, yeah, you got to be careful in DC and you, you want to avoid uh, a violent clash. But the reality is that, uh, 
you know, if you're not crashing through the windows of the Capitol building and, and going in the offices of the of this congressman, if you're staying within the lanes of, of, you know, like the street outside the White House, there is decades and decades and decades of U.S. law establishing. I mean, this is like the heart of free speech. And it's it's really critical that we get out and do that because if you look at what they're trying to do right now, when I was going through the Republican Jewish Coalition, um, when I was going through their uh, speeches, they're all talking about deporting Palestinian or, or not even Palestinians. They're talking about deporting students here on student visas who come out to pro-Palestine demonstrations. So what that's going to do I mean, that's like, like I said, of all this non-white immigration, that's like the one plus is that you have a presence then, an opposition to Zionism on college campuses. And that was true when I went to school. I met one of my best friends at, at, at such an event. Uh, what they want to do is make it so that they want to just chill free speech so that if you are here as a student and you're from one of those countries or maybe you're actually from uh, Israel or Palestine, you know, you're a Palestinian from Israel or something. They want to make it so that you will be like arrested and deported if you breathe a word that's pro-Palestine. But see, they can't do that to white boys born and raised here. And that's what's so great about that video, of Mike. You know, I thought one thing, Dad, when, when Mike was out there on that one clip that I love so much, I've watched it about 50 times. It was about, some of the best Mike content I've ever seen. Mike at his absolute best. Uh, when he was calling out that uh, those IDF Jews, and uh, that clip has gotten a lot of views on on social media, it's been all over the place. But one of the things I loved about it is how American Mike looks and how American he sounds because he's got that like New Jersey accent. He looks and sounds so American, and that they hate that. They hate that. They want. I mean, we we touched a nerve. You can tell that's. You just don't see that, and, and it's been pointed out before. You don't see a bunch of white guys standing up for Palestine, and they know the danger of that, and, and that freaked them out. The way they reacted to it, uh, I mean, we touched a nerve there, and, and, it's, and it's just like uh, we got to do more of that. because that, and, and, yeah, this fear of going to Washington after January 6th, we just have to be scrupulously careful with being legal. I mean— you still, they're not to the point yet where they say you, you don't have any free speech. They, they, that's a hard one to just come out with that. So there has to be, be a way to do that, but you have to follow all the rules. And that's what they hate about us. We're smart. We're smart. We don't do stupid things. We don't, we don't get caught. I mean, uh, doing dumb stuff. Uh, we don't give them a reason to just lock us up. And, and, uh, you know, it's a little bit of that thing, use it or lose it. The rights that we still have, if we don't use them, uh, you know, enough time goes by and, and there's sort of a, a, an attitude that sinks in that, well, you just can't do that. You just can't do that. Uh, you know, way back, I mean, Rockwell did that, a lot of that. A lot of the, the, the free speech laws, Rockwell would display a swastika and, and get arrested. And, and there was legal cases and, and, uh, and, and he got it on the books that, you know, that's free speech, you know. And now they're, they're starting to like whittle away at that stuff again. You know, a lot of decades go by and, you know, eternal vigilance is the price of freedom, they say. And so, uh, well, we just have to do that stuff. If, if we're distributing literature, 
uh, every community, I mean, there has, there's a way to legally uh, have free speech, distribute your views. And we just got to know what the, those laws are and those methods are, but they have to provide some avenue of getting your message to people. I mean, that's what, that's what this country's still supposed to be about. So you just got to be really careful when you do these things. And that's, <clears throat> that builds on something that I was starting to say at the start of the, uh, the hour was that it's interesting. You see a couple of things that are happening right now. So one, as I said, on, in all these spaces where there's millennials and younger people, media spaces, the pro Israel shit is just not taking. Fox News, there was an article about, uh, so one of the guys put it on Telegram, how all his Jews are turning to Fox News. And it said how ironic this is because Fox News is traditionally, Jews are traditionally Democrats in this country. Jews are not Republicans. But all the Jews are watching Fox News because it's wall-to-wall pro-Zionism. Uh, but all the young spaces, they, they can't make them think this. They can't get them to be pro-Israel. So that's the first thing. And we talked about that. The second thing, though, is that the Biden administration right now, he has this minor kerfuffle in the State Department. This is genocide. It's so blatant that what's starting to happen is there are rumblings even within the Biden administration, and you're starting to see signals. If you're hearing this, then you're only getting half the show. Did you know that therightstuff.biz is 100% listener-funded? Thanks to this censorship machine, this project can only be sustained by listeners like you. By supporters like you. So why don't you get behind the paywall at therightstuff.biz slash paywall and show the powers that be that they can't silence the most silenced. He talked the other day, did you see this where you're talking about a pause? A pause, not a ceasefire. Because see, a ceasefire, they've taken, you know, in the same way that they've made the octopus into an anti-Semitic symbol and they've made uh, from the river to the sea into, that's now an anti-Semitic, you know, call like, like, Gas the kikes race war now. I mean, it's the equivalent. Well, now they're saying the call for ceasefire. If you're calling for a ceasefire, this is the equivalent of gas the kikes race war now. This is like a hate slogan if you say we're for a ceasefire. So Biden was very careful to not say it. No, just a pause. His press secretary was like, oh, just a pause here and there in the fighting, blah, blah, blah. But <clears throat> I read an article here. Uh, I've got the latest issue of The Economist. This just came today. And there was a piece about uh, the problems that they're having with uh, the Middle East and how they're how they're going to have to go in here. And one of the things was the dilemma is that it's like if they go in, uh, if they go in and and do this, and really, you know, I mean, I mean, we we see uh, um, there was an article in Politico today about how they killed uh, people outside the hospital about how this refugee camp was bombed. So it's seeping into even like center-left, mainstream, Jewish-run places like Politico. Uh, this criticism of, of, the, of the brutality and the mass murder of civilians, and with each day that passes, the sympathy for the 1,400 dead Jews and all the burned, you know, the, the 40 beheaded babies and all that, the sympathy goes down. With every day that passes of this horrible campaign. So we're seeing that even Biden is now, there's signs that the administration is, is now in an awkward position with Israel, that even his full throated support, that he can't just keep giving it without consequences. Now, the reason I mention this again is because it ties back to what you're talking about with free speech. 
There's always a price to pay for every policy decision that you make and every action that you take in politics. Even if you are Joe Stalin at the height of his power, you cannot take an action without there being some consequences or some price that you pay. You may have the power to take it, but there's going to be a price that you pay for taking it. And we saw that with, uh, for instance, the FBI. So the FBI was used since January 6th, since Charlottesville, really, to crack down and arrest people and harass people and intimidate them and go to their houses and bother them and charge them and, and all, you know, extreme stuff with January 6th. They had the power to do this. They have flexed the power to do this. But now what? Now what's happened? The FBI is hated by all the like Trump people, by all of red state America, all the white people that were waving the flag and, and cheering on Department of Homeland Security in the Bush years, they now don't like the FBI anymore. So the same thing with Israel. Israel has the power to bomb and kill indiscriminately in Gaza. They have the military power to do it. They have the political power to do it. Uh, you know, Nasrallah, the Hezbollah guy, I didn't watch his whole speech, but it came it, – it, the, the – Essence of it was the same thing that all these guys have been saying, like, you know, watch out, don't make us get involved, you know, which is another way of saying, well, you're not getting involved right now, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm even seeing, like, boomers on Facebook, these, like, liberals uh, who traditionally have been, you know, anti-war and, and just, you know, any kind of conflict or all for a ceasefire. They've just been quiet. They've been just talking about bullshit. You know, and which they do most of the time anyway. But, uh, you know, the same people that put up Ukraine flags and all this stuff, they're not putting up Israeli flags. They're, they're, they're just, they've been just quiet. And recently I've been noticing that some of them are starting to, to like stuff that is like mildly pro Palestinian, just like, uh, you know, like a Palestinian child with with a cat or something like that, and they'll, they'll they'll like it. And it probably took them days to work up their nerve to even like that. But it these war crimes are so horrendous, so blatant that people people can't they just can't defend it, and and it's embarrassing to you know for those people to say that well the Israelis you know. Uh, have a right to defend themselves. They can't. They're, they're, more and more of them can't even bring themselves to say that because the the, the overreaction to to uh, uh, October seventh is is so so blatant, uh, you know. And and uh, I mean, this is a good thing. It's it, it's uh, the only you know pe- the saying? only people are, are the the fanatical Christian Zionists that are just you know God's chosen people and they can do no wrong. Those people are digging in their heels, but but. Everybody but but that, even with the boomers, is is like having a hard time with this. And you see what I'm saying about the thing with the First Amendment, that they can't shut it down completely without paying a huge consequence. And that's see, that's the thing. Part of what we're remember when I I said that in a speech a couple of years ago with the NJP, that the thing is to put them in this zugzwang, this this situation where. They either have to let us speak or they have to shut us down so hard and blatantly that it, that it becomes obvious to everyone what's going on and then it destroys their legitimacy. Right. And, and that's really the thing that you want to harm. The war of attrition is against the legitimacy of this state and of this world order. And see, that's where Hamas 
is wearing them down in the legitimacy battle. They're spending legitimacy points. They have a, it's like a health meter in a, in a, in a boss fight in, in, in a video game. They have legitimacy points that they are spending every single day on this war. So at the end of it, again, they're going to lose it all. This is the article. I found it. Um, it's, this is from, the, the, I just got this today, the, the Economist. Free Palestine and freer speech. And it says, campus protesters for Palestine are lowering the bar for, quote, hate speech. And it says that the, uh, the left uh, has been doing this thing, restricting speech. Uh, well, I'll just read it. It's always seemed a bit self-sabotaging. The, lefting, the leftist ideology rippling out from American college campuses this century has, on the one hand, favored restricting speech, yet on the other hand, posited that the implacable forces of capitalism and white privilege entrench right-wing power. Whose speech did these ideologues imagine would wind up getting suppressed? This tension has not surfaced often on college campuses, at least not at the most exclusive schools. There, the forces of capitalism and white privilege, if not of tolerance and curiosity, were mostly routed. Now, that's an interesting admission, meaning the wasps were routed by the Jews. Yeah. In the, that, that, that's another way of saying that, right? Right, right. A dwindling minority of faculty members, as few as a tenth, identify as conservative. And, of course, they, they're probably mostly Jews. They're just your right-wing Jews, you know? Right. Administrator, so so here, right there, stop. That's a fucking incredible phenomenon that we have at these elite institutions such an overwhelming preponderance of liberal left ideology, yeah. and it's especially uh, remarkable when you consider that these colleges are actually temples to capitalism and that the system is more capitalist than it ever was. This is not a socialist system. You know, on its face, how can that be when you, when you have a nation that in, in all the, the recent presidential elections, the country's like split, you know, right. half and half, right. yet, yet it's 90% liberal on, on in academia. And that's, like I say, there's, yeah, there's multiple things there. So first of all, the country's split 50-50, yet it's 90% liberal in elite academia but second of all the children of these that are attending these schools and what they do these are ultra capitalists these are ultra capitalists these are the super rich if they're not rich going into school they're going to be rich coming out to school out of the school so these are the the training ground of the super capitalist elite at a time when america is more capitalist than it ever was as far as i mean it makes the gilded age seem seem mild by comparison so so there's a contradiction right there how can it be that the left is dominating college campuses and the forces of white privilege and capitalism are in retreat, yet the system and particularly elite institutions are more capitalist than they ever were. It's because it's not the left. It's the fucking Jews. That's what they're talking about. It's Jewish power, right? So anyway, um, <laughs> a dwindling minority of faculty members, as few as a tenth, identify as conservative. Administrators whose ranks have ballooned and who oversee the, quote, bias response teams, <laughs> the thought police that police speech are even more likely to identify with the left. Yet off campus, 
the forces of reaction began responding with strikingly symmetrical concerns about speech. Conservative governors and legislatures across America have embraced the theory that certain ideas are too dangerous for all minds and certain views are too harmful for particular ears. Bills proposed in states such as Texas seek to protect children from material that might cause, quote, discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of psychological distress on account of his or her race or sex, unquote. And these are all people that, w- that were just fine when we got shut down at Charlottesville. Oh, right. You yeah. know, and, 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 and I mean, it was well, they're fine with the Where are these there was people a ch- talking about the Robert E. Lee statue being destroyed? Well, exactly. Well, and, and, you know, there was a time when there, there was a uh, sizable uh, slice of the population who would say this stuff like, uh, you know, I may disagree with you, but I'll fight to the death for your right to say it and stuff like that. That just went out the window a long time ago. Right. But and again, this kind of the, the kind of law that they're talking about restricting free speech is the kind that uh, Randy Fine and 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 fucking Ron DeSantis put over in Florida, where it's like, okay, now if you distribute a, a, a piece of literature and you leave it on the doorstep, and now you're littering, and now we're going to send you five years in jail for for hate speech. So in other words, it's that's what they're litter, doing. It's a littering charge enhanced with a felony charge of right, hate, hate right. speech. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, so this is the whole thing. This, that's where the pushback. I mean, Stryker wrote that phenomenal article. I forget the name of it, but the one where he said how the whole like anti woke thing is completely dominated by Jews, and it was a backdoor, just in this in the same way, in the same way that Homeland Security and all the crazy shit we saw after nine eleven was a backdoor. It was done in to get the conservative ya- flag waving yahoos, as Pierce used to call them, to get them on board. With signing away their their rights, only the libertarians, the sincere libertarians like Ron Paul were warning about this at the time, but it was a backdoor to create a security state apparatus that could then be turned in a war against white people. All all the people in the broader movement, so to speak, at the time were warning, they're going to turn this on us, they're going to turn this on us, and and not enough people paid attention and went through, and now, now that's what's happening. And so the same way these anti-woke Ron DeSantis types with their Randy Fines, it, this, these types of laws, when you see Randy Fine doing this, it's a backdoor to shut down criticism of Jews and of Israel. Yeah. And even that law that they mention, protect children from material that might cause discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of psychological distress on account of his or her race or sex. It's not fighting for white people. It's just saying... That, that no one can be racist, right? So, but rather than aiming to safe, now this is the interesting thing, but rather than aiming to safeguard the feelings of people from historically marginalized groups, such bills are meant to protect white children from the very ideas the left wants to promulgate. Well, stop. Why not say that? What? See, they're saying it. They're saying it. Because they know that the conservative never will and never can say it. that that's it's it's to protect white people from anti-white hate. But see, that's not what it's actually designed to do. It's designed wink, wink, nod, nod. Ron DeSantis is on your side. Based Ron DeSantis secretly wants to protect the white people from anti-white hate. But like Tucker Carlson, he has to couch it in race neutral language. Right. So you think, okay, well, I see what he's doing there. So to protect my white kids from anti-white hate, I'm going to say, go for this race-neutral language because he has to say he's against all racism. Well, then in the event, it only gets used against anti-Zionism and you get just as much anti-white hate in a different way, right? Yeah. So now this is the thing. 
Now a hard yet potentially constructive moment in America's battle over speech has arrived. On prestigious campuses, the war in Gaza has shaken the prevailing power relationships for the moment. Students attacking Israel for its response to the terrorism of Hamas have come under withering criticism. And worse, some have seen job offers rescinded or had their names and photos flashed on billboards paraded by trucks around their campuses. Now get this. Some right-leaning advocates of free speech are relishing the spectacle. In other words, more Jews, right? Or people in the pay of Jews, right? For years, leading lights of the left insisted there was no such thing as a glibly censorious cancel culture. They like to speak instead of a accountability culture. Hey, you're still listening to only half the content? I don't know if I could do that. And I would say to myself, man, this Svenpai guy is making good content. I love this. I can't take any more free riding. I don't know what I'm going to do. What am I going to do? I'm Svenpai's top guy. What am I going to do? Samsung chose me to get a subscription. Whoa, Sven needs me? Okay, I'll do it. I'm going to bat for you, Sven. I'm going to the rightstuff.biz slash paywall, Sven. That's how I refer to the Gestapo, the Gestapo and, and uh, Roland Freisler in the court of uh, the People's Court of the Third Reich. That was not a secret police. That was a culture of accountability. That you have accountability I, I, for your for your treason to the Third Reich. But anyway, I, I've always thought of them that way. Right, exactly, yeah. That this isn't this was censorship. That was an accountability culture. Anyway, they like to speak of an accountability culture or a culture of consequence <laughs> that justly punished offensive speakers. Now, as the cancelers wring their hands about being canceled, Schadenfreude hangs heavy in the air. Well, again, stop. So, in other words, the classic. Finkel fight, the classic kosher sandwich, like Hitler said, the Jew of the right and the Jew of the left. So the Jew of the left pushes cancel culture to silence all the traditional, you know, you defend the statues, you defend traditional marriage, you defend the rights of white people, you 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 push back against anti-white hate, you push back against children being mutilated and turned into some sort of like androgynous freaks through with you know science, mad scientists. You push back against all you push back against radical feminism, against the demonization of men and of masculinity. You push back against all these things and they say, well, the Jew on the left is like, well, no, no, no. We're 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 canceling your we're we're booting you out. This is hate speech. We're shutting you down. We're deplatforming you. We're costing you your career, your job, everything. And this isn't cancel culture. This is accountability culture, culture of consequence. So they do all that. And then when when Gaza, they start murdering thousands of children in Gaza and a few leftists stand up and say or Palestinians or something, they say, well, wait a minute. What about this? Now the Jew of the right. The Jew of the right says, ha ha, look, they're getting a taste of their own medicine. Isn't this wonderful? This is what we want to see. Now we get, it's our turn to use cancel culture against them. Now there's a culture of consequence for the left. The shoe's on the other foot now, isn't it? And all the conservatives are like, yeah, hell yeah, this is great, man. Now they're the ones getting canceled. And it's just like Jews versus Jews, and they're not actually, they're just, they're just reinforcing each other. The funny thing is, I won't read the rest of the article, but... It says that uh, – I'll read just a little bit more and then we'll, we'll break and we'll go to the next hour. It says, rather than try to punish or silence students, a wiser choice would be to pocket the permissive standard that they are setting for when the bias response team next comes knocking. 
A recent Harvard-Harris poll showed 51% of Americans between 18 and 24 believed Hamas's rampage could be, quote, justified, unquote, by Palestinian grievances. (laughs) Now that... That's significant. Yeah. You know, you could say, well, that that cohort is is mostly non-white anyway, or is half non-white or something. Doesn't matter. What's amazing is with the all the fucking media firing on all cylinders, like they did with the Ukraine war, just everywhere, every place, everywhere you look, the poor Jewish, forty Jewish beheaded Jewish babies burned in ovens, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The poor concert goers, they were just partying, hot, hot Israeli girls just partying at a rave. 51% are saying, no, 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 no I don't no. care. They have a right to, they have a right to yeah. fight yeah. for their freedom. That is a massive failure yeah. of propaganda. Yeah. That is a propaganda failure that is like critical, red alert, you know, when you see a propaganda failure like that. When you're putting as much into pushing the narrative one way, and 51% of the people are actually responding in a poll that it was justified, you're, you're, you know, you, you have, you have a problem there. So it says, still, see, see, the, this is the, still the economist. You know, the economist doesn't ever have authors' names listed. No, don't they? They don't. They never do that. Why? Because, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, what was the Three Stooges bro- joke about, uh, Goldberg, Goldblatt, Goldstein, and O'Brien. Yeah. O'Brien speaking, you know, like that's because right. the, the authors of this is Goldblatt, Goldberg, Goldstein, and O'Brien. You know, just one collective uh, Jewish opinion, right? But, but yeah, without like identifying them. Yeah, they don't want to. They don't want to out themselves that it's that the Economist is like the editorials, uh, the, the the writing of the Economist is like is like majority Jewish. But anyway, so they I notice st- these Jews, these powerful Jews, are like scrubbing their their uh, profiles and stuff because it's it, maybe just me but it's becoming it seems to be harder and harder to find somebody that you just look at them and you say that, that's got to be a jew and you just can't find anything oh well they, they, you know the the early life section on wikipedia that's another old old meme now at this point that the early life section on wikipedia they're they're increasing see but it's, it's schizophrenic because on the one hand they just issued a thing Israelis to say all over the world, Israelis traveling, watch out because, you know, there's such anti-Jew hatred globally right now. <laughs> like the Rockwell thing, anti-Semitism in Brazil and Paraguay. What's your response to that? A big smile, you know, like it's, it's, it's all over the world. It's spreading like a wildfire, but they're, uh, at the same time that they're like trying to be like, keep your head down, you know, oh, Jews are friends. The UN delegation are wearing the Jewish star that says Yuda, you know, to show that they're like, so it's like, and again, we were joking about that. Why don't you all do that? Like that's, 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 Goebbels called that a harmless prophylactic measure. You know, he says this is a totally humane and harmless measure to just show who's the Jews, who are the Jews, you know? So, so that it's kind of mixed messaging. But anyway, it says here, so because the economist is Jewish, they still have to I mean, that, that star thing. A lot of people think that that was something the Nazis uh, employed, but that was done in the Middle Ages by the church. Right. Right. It's uh, an old, it's an old yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. They, um, the economist being Jewish has to qualify this endorsement of free speech by saying still some, some may not realize. So they say, you know, there's a poll. Recent polls showed 51% of Americans between 18 and 24 believed Hamas's rampage could be, quote, justified, unquote, by Palestinian grievances. Uh, 
Still, some may not realize, when they chant for a Palestine, quote, from the river to the sea, unquote, that they are advocating ethnic cleansing. Well, you know, that's an interesting thing. How would that necessarily be ethnic cleansing? Don't If we have a one-state solution where everybody gets a vote and, and the state is called Palestine, and Palestine has a lot of Jewish citizens, has a Jewish minority, the same way they want whites to be a minority in the United States— how is that ethnic cleansing, right? Jews, you know, I mean, like... Uh, yeah, that's implying ethnic cleansing. They say that while they are literally ethnically cleansing, you know, Palestinians. Like, you know, where they kill three, 4,000 kids now. Yes, and when destiny... But they're more upset about, about, about a chant that is implying ethnic cleansing. When Destiny came out and said he was pro-genocide, and I, I this show we just did, I filled, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy was saying it's time to put away the fiction of a two-state solution, and 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 if if that wasn't explicit enough, that, that fucking wog, he said that uh, the, the, all the surrounding Arab countries could absorb the Palestinians. In other words, open call at the Republican Jewish Congress from a, from a, from a, from a actual, uh, presidential candidate for the Republican Party, an open call to mass ethnic cleansing of all Palestinians. Anyway, what's interesting here is it just says that uh, it is the message received by many Jews and others, and an argument of leftists uneasy with the debate has been that the impact on the listener rather than the intent of the speaker should guide how judgment of offensiveness. Okay, you know, so that's the thing. By that measure alone, it should be harder now for those sympathetic to pro-Palestine students to argue that any, quote, hate speech, unquote, is off limits. University presidents are, in effect, embracing this standard by defending the right of those protesters to speak up. They seem unlikely to advance the foul position that Jews are, quote, white, unquote, and thus unoffendable. Some presidents are in trouble over... Uh, over their own speech. Donors to Harvard and the University of Pennsylvania have closed their checkbooks because they thought the presidents temporized on anti-Semitism. Again, this could prove constructive. After years of taking positions on matters of moment, positions that happily align with those of staff and students, leaders may acquire an appreciation for promoting debate rather than prejudicing it. Quote, my hope is that the rediscovery of freedom of speech and the discovery of political neutrality, of, of political restraint, not commenting on every event of the day will be something schools adopt and they'll stick with it. Wrong. I mean, that's not what's going to happen. What's no, going to no, happen is... Yeah, it's, I mean, that's, that's a nice thing to just throw out there to sound reasonable. But, I mean, that's all we we have wanted all along is debate. You know, right. they they will not debate us because they know they'll lose. So it, it's, it's like, uh, I mean, it should be easy to just... They ought to get like Mike on 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 a you know uh, face the nation and just call him out on his how wrong he is about his views and 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 then I mean why not finish us off intellectually academically by just you know pointing out the fallacies of, of our ideas why why can't they do that <coughs> Yeah, and if you listen to Fox News and you listen to fucking Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, who who was calling to have uh, Rashida Tlaib censored, and now they're advancing this bill that's touted as to deport all Palestinians, but it's anybody after October who arrived. But it's you can see that the the uh, conservative so-called outrage machine and all the 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 bluster and everything 
they're just they're not saying, well, hey, now this is an interesting moment. You know, now now the, we see that that the left is is upset that their free speech is being canceled. So maybe this is our big break on free speech, and maybe we can now find common ground and say, hey, you know, we ought to be allowed to be uh, on campus to defend uh, white heritage, for instance. And then we'll extend the courtesy to you if you want to protest for, for the Gazans. You know, now's a good moment to find common ground on free speech. What's going to happen instead is the Jew on the left and the Jew on the right. It'll just be censorship and counter-censorship. And who will lose out? White people, Palestinians, and anybody who opposes the Jews. You know, so it'll be now it's hate speech. It's, it's the, what'll, what we're going to end up with is it's hate speech on campus to say, I love white people. This is an anti-white crime, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and it's also hate speech to say, you know, hey, please, I'm, I'm for Palestinian rights. Yeah. That's, that's also hate speech. And that's, that'll be the result when well, all this is said and done. That'll be the litmus test, whether it's good for the Jews or not. And yet that'll be the deciding factor. So, guys, we're going to take a short break, and uh, we'll come back. If you're listening to this not behind the paywall, please subscribe to therightstuff.biz. Or you can subscribe. Um, you can go on the National Justice Party website, nationaljusticeparty.com, and become a supporter of the National Justice Party. Um, the the white-level supportership, the monthly, it's, it's like a dollar a day. If you guys can do that, please do. And with subscribing to the national as becoming a national justice party supporter you get a trs subscription with that or you can just subscribe to trs standalone but we'll be back that's that's why we were able to do like the protest that we did is because we have a base of regular support now that we have a, a, a budget we can count on to do things like that and we need to do more and more of them and but we need we need to grow it is really critical that we grow absolutely so we will be back, and when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, uh, the the uh, the new renaming of the birds. This is this is something that didn't get a lot of mention, but my dad here, both my parents, in fact, are avid birders and have been my whole life. And uh, I I never I never picked up the habit, but uh, this is a side of Alan Baylog that you've never seen before. Who is a, a lifelong birder? Actually, you've been a birder longer than you've been a Nazi, haven't you? Or about the same length of time? Because it was because I think the guy that got you into birding was the first guy that got you into na- national socialism. But anyway, but so we have someone who is uniquely suited to talk about uh, the insanity that just happened. I mean, again, you talk about uh, cancel culture. Um, that's the thing. They're saying it's like a retreat here with Palestine that the left is on the back foot. No, 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 no. They're only on the back foot on Gaza. On everything else, it's full steam ahead. So we'll talk about that, and maybe we'll get into Otto Ernst Raymer and the, what he really thought about the Jews. Uh, so, yeah, guys, catch us on the other side, please.
Oh, my God. 